This is I Pierce the Toast. I'm Sean. And I'm AJ. Let's make some toast. Welcome back to IPTT. AJ, it has been so long since we've been in these chairs. The fuck just happened? What? Uh, IPTT? Yeah. So it finally caught on? Oh, fuck. Did I say the acronym? Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, I guess so. I had a whole shtick plan, too, for, like, saying, uh, yeah, I, I, I've been lost in Germany for the last, like, two weeks. I, I, I completely... And, and now that shtick is gone. Fuck. Yeah. Sorry. So so now you, you go to Germany, you come back, and now you just speak IPTT? They're very efficient there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're back, guys. I know that it's been, it's been some time. We've had some things happen recently, obviously, kind of along what we're talking about. Well, not even kind of along. It's definitely what we're talking about today. Tina Turner did pass. Sean went to Germany. I did. I went to Germany. That doesn't have anything to do with Tina Turner, but yeah, I did go to Germany. What are we talking about today, AJ? We are talking about a movie that apparently you've never seen. Uh, Which movie is that? We're talking about What's Love Got to Do With It. Ah, of course, you're referring to the 2022 hit rom-com starring Lily James and Shazad Latif. No. <laughs> is that is that not, not that's that one? That's not the one, no. That's that's what that's what love's what's love got to do with it. No, no, the other one. What there's another one? Yeah. Why why would they make more than one? Is it I, Oh, so this is this is a remake of the 2022 rom-com hit starring Lily James and Shazad Latif. No, this is the 1993 What's Love Got to Do with It starring Angela See, Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. I feel like this is um, the whole like Shazam thing with what's his name? What's his uh, name? Are you are you talking about uh, uh shit? Uh, Simbad. Simbad is. I think that's what you're doing to me right now. You're just like making up a movie and trying to like put it into the the collective consciousness that it exists. No, I'm talking about what's love got to do with it. Along with Tina Turner dying, you know, I I was like, okay, well, she was a phenomenal artist. She was the she was crowned the queen of rock and roll. Um, she was born in 1939 in Brownsville, Tennessee, and then she was a citizen of Sweden up until her death. But she's been a citizen of Sweden since 2013. So she was Swedish in the end. Yeah, she was Swedish. But she okay. was. I know you've done your research because, uh, as you like to remind me, um, you research better than I do. I do. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so why did she go to Sweden? Was there a was there a reason behind that? I think it was a tour thing at first, and then she just she one time went to Sweden and she just fell in love with it. So she renounced her citizenship, her citizenship Whoa. in 2013. She renounced U.S. citizenship. Yeah, renounced oh, her citizenship shit. in 2013, okay. and then. And she became a naturalized citizen. So of this Sweden. was not dual citizenship. She no. didn't go there and like you know get granted citizenship in that additional country. She renounced being a U.S. Yeah. citizen. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, she basically said that there was nothing for her here, and her she, she loves she loves Sweden. She loves the people, so she's going to become a Swedish citizen. People would know her best for her most recent songs. I would think you know what's love got to do with it, which is the uh, the namesake of the, the movie. We don't need another hero. The best private dancer. But then this movie, Wait, the best is that the one? You're simply the best. Nice, yeah, yeah that was good, yeah, good harmonizing. Yeah, that was, that was good nice. <laughs> so this movie takes place before all that. So if you're looking at like finding out what happened in the '80s, that's not what happened. You know, this is this is strictly about her earlier career whenever she was touring with Ike Turner, who was her husband before. Now, in your research slash fun facts, are you going to discuss a particular meme? 
Yes. Okay. So I won't yes, bring well, that. I won't bring that's that up. Actually, yet, you guys will see this. This will be the picture. <laughs> is that what you're going <laughs> to use? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly of course you fucking are. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to do. As I said, this movie was released in 1993. It was directed by Brian Gibson. Uh, Brian Gibson. Brian Gibson, who who died unfortunately in 2004. He directed Poltergeist 2. Kilroy is here. It was a short film for Sticks, the band, and the Josephine Baker story. Um, it was produced by Doug Chapin and Barry Crossed. Um, Doug Chapin did When a Stranger Calls, Jackie's Back, which is a Jennifer Lewis movie, who is act- she's actually stars in this movie as well. And what's interesting to me is that Barry Crossed did When a Stranger Calls as well. So it's like they both worked together. And then he did a movie called Shakes the Clown, which I'm actually kind of interested in. Shakes the Clown. Apparently it's about a, like an alcoholic clown or something like that. And... Robin oh, like, Williams. Sh- like shakes when you get the shakes yeah. when you're drunk. Okay. And then, like, um, Robin Williams is in it, like, as a bit role or, like, a extra. I'm kind of interested in that. See, it's, it's funny. The, the game that you and I grew up playing was Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. But literally every fucking time we're on this podcast, we seem to be tracing everybody back to Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. I mean... So I'm officially changing the name of the game. It's now Six Degrees of Robin Williams. As a testament to the legacy of that incredible man. So is it not Sam Elliott anymore? Is it Robin Williams? The problem is Robin Williams can play anything. And we learned that when he played Genie in Latin. That's that's true. He can so literally do anything. He can literally do anyone. So it's like it's not like with Sam Elliott where he's a very unique typecast and really only plays well to a certain t- to that certain type of role. And it was just kind of funny seeing him get you know, cast opposite that role when he was in um, Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. See, like, Robin Williams, like, toss him into any role, he'd probably do fine. Exactly. This movie stars the phenomenal Angela Bassett. The um, unparalleled Angela yeah, Bassett. unparalleled. She uh, she plays Tina Turner, or Tina's real name, Anime Bullock. People would recognize her from Black Panther as Queen Ramonda, Akila and the Bee as Tanya Anderson. She was in Boys in the Hood as Reva Stiles. Waiting to Exhale as Bernadine Harris, and I was told that I had to talk about these, because, you know, I don't like to go through everyone's filmography, but she was in a lot of the American Horror Stories. She was in Coven, Freak Show, Roanoke, Apocalypse. Wait, was she really? Yeah. Why don't I remember her from those? She was Marie Laveau in Coven, for sure. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, okay. We went to New Orleans. We we, ta- we saw Marie, uh, Marie Laveau's house. Well, yeah, but Angela Bassett wasn't there. That, uh, she might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then we have Lawrence Fishburne. Who well, plays we're, just, I- we're just going to skip over her most recent and most popular credit on TikTok right now. What? She's on the show 911. She's got a story. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, like, oh, God. It's like, yeah. or maybe it could just be my feed and Jennifer. And it could just be my feed. My wife and I keep talking about this, about how uh, there's like the movie of the week that starts coming across everybody's feed. And everybody's like, okay, are we watching this now? Yeah. And 911 just keeps popping up because there's like this really popular scene where Angela Bassett goes on a plane and tells off this like, I don't know whether he's like a security guard or an air marshal or what, but basically tells him off and like puts the entire plane under arrest just so she can get the people off the plane. And she's like, a to- she's a total hero in this, in this scene. So I'm going to have to watch this. I Like, honestly, it's one of those shows that's kind of, uh, you know, it's, you know, Chicago Hope or Chicago Fire or, you know, all those types of shows, right? You're, you're kind of throwaway NBC, ABC, you know, copaganda type shows. Oh, yeah. But it's Angela propaganda. Bassett. And I, yeah, yeah you've never heard that? I've propaganda. Heard that yeah. yeah we're, it's, we're just, like it's that. propaganda to make cops look really good. I like that. I like <laughs> yeah, that. copaganda. 
Um, then we have Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner. Yeah, people know him as uh, Morpheus in The Matrix. Uh, he was also in Aquila and the Bee as Dr. Larrabee. He was also in Boys in the Hood. I do as... remember from Aquila and the Bee. Yeah. He was in Boys in the Hood as Furious Styles. Yeah, he was the dad. Yeah, he was the dad. Uh, yeah. He was Give more... me the motherfucking gun tray. <laughs> fucking, fucking love Lawrence Fishburne in that movie. Uh, he was more recently in John Wick as the Bowery King, and my favorite role of all time is in Osmosis Jones. He played Thrax. <laughs> he was in Osmosis yeah, Jones. Yeah. Of course, he fucking was. Why yeah, am I he questioning He was the this? villain. <laughs> but what's really interesting to me is you probably picked up that there were two movies on that list that they both were in: Aquila and the Bee and Boys in the Hood. So they've been in four, I think. Or oh no, shit. Yeah, at least three different movies together. This one, What's Love Got to Do with It? Boys in the Hood and Aquila and the Bee. But then they've also worked together on uh, Fences. I don't know if you know the play. Oh Fences. yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, wait, uh, on Broadway? Or are you yeah, talking about Broadway. the the film that um, they were on Broadway. They weren't they were in the Broadway. film. That okay. was Denzel. I was about to say. I thought Denzel. I thought that was Denzel. But they could have had yeah. you know uh, supporting roles. No, that was Denzel. Okay, I got you. Um, but they have worked together four different times. And Lawrence Bish- Fishburne has stated that when they work together, there's just like magic that happens. So he I was really going to ask, loves... you know, is there a reason why they're working? So it's just they just have great chemistry. Yeah. Well, yeah. even in this movie, he wasn't going to pick up the role as Ike Turner. It was he heard that she got accepted for the role and he's like okay yeah i'll do it he turned the movie down five times before he found out angela got the role and then he accepted so he he was like no i don't want to be like turner i'm not doing this fucking movie and then finally somebody's like well angela bassett's gonna be there he's like all right shit yeah i guess i can come by yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's like i'm not going to this fucking party unless fucking angela's there (laughs) then we have jennifer lewis who plays zelma bullock who is um anime's mom or or teen turner's mom I had to put this in here because she's in a movie that we were just talking about. She was in The Meteor Man as Mrs. Williams. She was in Sister Act as Michelle. Dead Presidents as Mrs. Curtis. She Wait, was who in... is Michelle in Sister Act? Um, she was one of... Like one of the the, the backup singers? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. All right, cool. She was in, uh, like I said, Dead Presidents. She was in Medea's Family Reunion as Malay Janae Laurie. And then most recently, in my favorite role recently that she's in, she plays Celeste, who's like the mother of one of the main characters. It's... It, and there's a song that they sing called Having a Plan. It's literally about, like, enjoying having a plan and being, like, anal retensive. And you, you're like me, where you, like, if you're going on vacation, you want to make sure you have a plan. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a big fan of having a wh- plan. What is this in? Uh, Central Park. Okay, yeah, you you didn't mention the name. Oh, sorry, yeah, Central, Central, <laughs> sorry. Central I'm sitting here going, she, okay, so she was in this thing, yeah. and she had a plan. What 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 did she have a plan in? No, it wasn't she, it wasn't her. It was her son. Oh, okay. and like it's funny because it opens up and you're like, what is this song? Because he's like living life systematically, planning each day pragmatically. And she like they have a back and forth. I, don't I know. was I was totally grooving. Over it. I, we're gonna <laughs> listen like, to this yeah, song well, later. I love this. You're song. Fucking it right, we will. Um, then we have Vanessa Bell Calloway who plays Jackie, who is um, one of anime's friends. She was in Bebe's Kids, which I love Bebe's Kids. Oh, my Kids. God. Wait, who is she in Bebe's Kids? Jamika. Which one's Jamika? I think Jamika's the love interest. I'm pretty sure. Yes, yes. Uh, Jamika's the love interest. I can't remember the name of the Bebe's Kids. Yeah, God, I can't remember all been, their names. It's probably but been it's, 25 years yeah. since I've seen that movie. I, just, oh I God, love that movie. I love movie that movie. Uh, that's two, baby. <laughs> she was in oh, Biker Boys. I'm so sorry for her. No, I like Biker Boys, but think about who was also in Biker Boys. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh yeah, Lawrence so Fishburne was in Biker Boys. Yeah, and then she was also she was Anita, and then she Wait, was in Chief. Who was who was like the main guy in Biker Boys? Was it? Uh... It wasn't 
Tyrese. I don't think so. No, I feel like like for some reason my brain wants to inter, in, in, like insert Ice Cube in that movie. But Ice Cube was not. In I don't Biker think he Boys. was in Biker Boys. But I for some reason my brain is seeing Ice Cube in a movie with motorcycles. And I'm gonna Derek look it up. Luke Torque is what I was thinking of. Oh, Torque. He was in, yeah. Ice Cube was in. It was the was in Torque, and I think Torque was supposed to be a. They they label it. I don't know if you've ever heard this about Torque. They tried to pass it off as if the movie was a spoof of, of, Fast, and of Fast and the Furious. Yeah, have you ever heard this shit? I've seen Torque. It's definitely not that. It's definitely not, right? They And they try to pass it off because there's like one line in there where they're like, I live my life one mile at a time. And some of the other characters are like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> That's so stupid. That. That's a terrible thing to say. And it's like, you can't call the entire movie a spoof movie because you made fun of one line. That's not how spoofs work. Vanessa was also in Cheaper by the Dozen as Diana Phillips. She was in Coming to America as Princess Amani uh, Izzy. She's she was always like, whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love her. And what I love about this cast is that every last one of them like is in movies that I know from like my childhood. Yeah, so, I'm actually like, really enjoying this right now. You're you're like telling me about all this because it's like, holy shit, I actually know I've actually seen these movies, which sucks because I haven't seen this one. And, the, and that's so bad because I mean, like this movie is so. We, you definitely need to watch this movie after we go through the plot. We'll we'll talk about it. I probably will, but I, I guess I guess my thing is I just I wasn't into biopics as a kid. Like, uh, what are some of the other biopics from our from when we were La young? Bamba? I saw that one. Yeah, I, uh, I did see La Bamba. Um, uh, but like Great Balls of Fire, Selena. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many the the Jackson story that didn't yeah, see American it. Dream. Yeah, I didn't see any of those movies. I don't know what it was, but as a kid, I just had no interest, and in, specifically in music biopics, they just didn't interest me. And I think the only reason I I watched La Bamba was probably because uh, um, I think Donna was like one of my favorite songs as a kid. Weirdly enough, yeah, I like that. Um, so and and that was it. And yeah, I knew some of the other songs. Obviously, I was a big Michael Jackson fan, but I just wasn't into biopics. Because like every single one of these characters in the movie, like literally, they were in almost all these movies that I loved when I was a kid. Candy Alexander, who played Darlene, was a menace to society as Karen. Nice. She was in Poetic Justice as Simone. Nice. She was in CB4. I don't know if you remember CB4. CB4. No. What is it? like? Is it like CB like the Navy CB or is it like C? The letter C, the letter B. It's the letter C, the letter B, and then the number four. Okay. Cell block four. Oh, no. I don't think I've ever heard of Oh, this. that's a good one. When, it's got when, Chris Rock in it. It's basically about, like, these people that take these, like, gangster personas. It's, like, basically like a spoof of NWA. Okay. All yeah, right. It, you need to watch it. It's great. But she right, plays. Right. We'll talk about that in another episode. Um, but she was in CB4 as Sissy, and then more recently she was in Fahr- Fahrenheit 451 as Toni Morrison. She says she's in 451, and then the next person I'm going to talk about, I didn't realize that I knew who this was, and then I started watching a recent show that she was in. So it's Penny Johnson Gerald who plays Lorraine, who is, she's a minor character in the movie, but I had to talk about her because she's she's actually pretty prominent now. She was in Star Trek um, Deep Space Nine as Cassidy Yates. She was in 24 as Sherry Palmer. She's in the Orville as Claire Finn, the doctor. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's in this The movie. one that winds up dating Isaac, the robot. I didn't know that, but spoiler alert. Thank Fuck. you. I just started watching this show. Fuck. Um, but then she was also in a show or a movie whenever I was a kid called The Color of Friendship. It was on the Disney Channel. She was Roscoe Dellums. It's basically about this South African white girl that comes to, I think, America. And she's trying to interact. But it's during apartheid. 
trying was, to. Oh, know. I was about to say, I was like, I think this is called Mean Girls. No, it's I called think, the color. I think it started Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> and then Shy McBride, he plays Frost, and you would know him. You you don't know the name, but I guarantee you know him. He was in Gone in sixty seconds as Donnie. He was an undercover brother as the chief. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> he was in Frighteners as Cyrus. I fucking love that. Guy. He's in all. He's in all yeah, sorts he's of shit. shit. Every um, time they need like a. Like a kind of a, a sagely wise guy in a movie. It's they, they always they go, bring him in. Yeah, they always bring him in. But then he also played in the Brother Solomon, which is one of my favorite throwaway comedies, as James Coolwell. We'll talk about Brother Solomon at another point, I, I guarantee it. But it's a funny right. movie. Then there the last one that I have on my list is Phyllis Javon Stickley. She plays Eileen, who is Tina Turner's sister. She was in New Jack City as a tur- uh, Turney Hawkins. She was in Malcolm X's Honey. She's in the uh, show Shameless as Auntie Bev. Just like oh, episode. she's Bev. Yeah, just the one episode. Wait, the one episode. There's only one episode with Auntie Bev. You're, there's another Beverly, but this is another one. Um, but then she was also in Die Hard with a Vengeance as Wanda Shepard. All these actors in this movie, you would know them if you saw them, and it's a very recognizable cast. Well, I think I've seen her. I've, like I've seen almost all these movies: Die Hard, New Jack City, Malcolm X. I've seen all of these, so you would recognize. Yeah, them for I, sure. I, I, yeah, I think I. I I think the problem is all I'm looking at is as a still. If I saw her like acting or doing a performance, and then like seeing her mannerisms, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, that's who that is." This movie is very interesting because it's a biopic that was based off of a book called "I I Tina" by Tina Turner, and then I think a ghostwriter that she had as well. But the more interesting thing about this movie is that Tina Turner never actually saw this movie. Really, and she said that. Most of it probably didn't happen. <laughs> what? Because they basically they tried to dramatize it as much as they could, but it, so it's not that it didn't happen, but it didn't happen the way that they made it happen in the movie. All right. Fair so enough. one of the facts, like one of the bigger things, is that Ike Turner did beat her for sure. Right. There yeah, was, that was lot, all over the yeah, news. There was a lot kids, of spousal abuse. That. Yeah. There was a lot of drama that happened as a child. A lot of things that um, kind of came to prominence later on, but some of the things that were kind of false were that she had kids before she met or before she actually got with Ike Turner. Um, there was a couple other things that like actually happened or didn't happen. And it's, it just know that when I'm just ex- explaining the plot of this movie, not all of it actually happened to Tina Turner, but they did happen in this movie to the fictional Tina Turner. With okay, the story. that's a good, that's a good distinction. Yeah. Know. Okay. But the, but the big thing is, is, I mean, it's based off of her life. So there are things that did happen and it is a biopic. Now, before we get started, Ike Turner passed away as well, correct? Yeah. That was like a while back. I think. Yeah. I was about to say, I could have swore it was probably like, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. Yeah. And he was a, he was a staunch advocate against this movie for sure. Because I mean, he is portrayed in a very negative light in this movie. There is a scene, and I will describe it, not not in depth, but I mean, it does happen, where there is a sexual assault that happens with a recording studio between him and Tina, and he said that never happened, and that he also didn't do what happened at the end of this movie, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Does Tina, now I know you said Tina didn't watch the movie, but does she support that narrative from ike or does she or is that did that come out of her that came out of her book so she's the one who's saying that definitely happened okay yeah for sure now what's funny to me is that whitney houston and jennifer lewis jennifer lewis is plays the mom in this they both auditioned for the role of tina turner and both of them would actually go on to play mother and daughter in the preacher's wife which is like a later movie yeah yeah preacher's wife came out in what uh Oh God, what was it like ninety six? Ni- yeah, I was about to say. I think like, it's Denzel. Two thousands. Uh, I think you're right. I want to say I remember Denzel in that. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm going to jump into the plot of this um, movie, and I'm not going to go in super depth like I usually do for this, because like I said, I'm more trying to honor Tina Turner, who, I mean, she was someone that set the 1990, or 1988 Guinness World Record for the largest paying audience for 180,000 people for a solo performer. 180,000 yeah. people? And she's Jesus. the only female artist to have won a Grammy in the pop, rock, and R&B fields. No shit. Yeah, she was... Wait, Aretha didn't pull that off? Nope. Tina Turner. Tina Turner was... Because wasn't Aretha the first woman uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes, but she didn't win or She didn't win the Grammys that... Interesting. Yeah, Tina okay. Turner did. All right, all right. Way to go, Tina. But Tina did have a storied life. She had a storied career. And this is based, like I said, off the beginning of her career. And it is a really fun movie. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to jump into the plot a little bit. And as we do, we're going to throw in some fun facts. I do love my fun facts. The first fun fact I'm already going to tell you right now about this movie is that Angela Bassett did not sing in this movie at all. Okay, so obviously being a biopic, there's going to be singing. Yeah. And I'm glad you start off right off the bat with that, because that, that was probably going to be my very first question, because I, I, I have seen recent biopics, because mm-hmm. uh, I think you and I went and saw um, the, the Elton John biopic. Yes, we did. Um, I think you and I went and saw the Queen up biopic, I think too. we saw Bohemian Rhapsody I say, as well. I, I really only go to the movies with you. Um, so we, bo- we saw both of those, and I'll, that's always my first question is, are the actors portraying in, uh, or that are portraying these roles... Are they doing the singing or are they bringing somebody in? So right off the bat, Angela Bassett did not sing a thing. In she this did movie. not. Got it. She she did a lot of um, like vocal exercises and everything like that. She admitted that she can sing, but she's more of a dancer and an actor. But she realized that her voice wasn't strong enough to do what Tina Turner could do. But she did. If you watch this, she does a very, very, very convincing role. And she, it makes it look like she actually is singing. Because there's sometimes you can watch a biopic and you're like, they're clearly you just can tell the, the the voice coming out is is putting way more passion in than the actors portraying. Yeah. yeah, I totally would. I I totally know what you, you're talking about there. So what I think she did, and it's very brilliant. If you ever watch this movie, she didn't try to sing like Tina, but she tried to do what Tina does when Tina sings. So she was like, okay, I can smart. I can mimic this. Can't mimic her voice, but I can mimic this. That's smart. Now Lawrence Fishburne, he did do his own singing in this. So the soundtrack of the movie, um, they do do a lot of the songs over again, like that they you know sang as I can uh, I can Tina. That is him singing, and he is he's good. So just out of curiosity, because obviously I'm thinking of that meme we were <laughs> alluding to earlier. Yeah. What time frame is this? Um. So it takes place in the early 1950s. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. So that haircut would have been appropriate. Yeah. Or at least it would have been. Well, this was the early 1950s through the late 70s, early okay. 80s. So, I mean, during this time frame, it's like the 60s and 70s that they were together. Okay. And then she had her career after, but then became prominent again in the 80s. Okay. It's so weird to think that she had this huge career during that time frame and was still complete. Because think of how many artists that we liked in the 90s that have absolutely no relevance, no footing at all now. And here's somebody like Tina that was relevant in, what, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s? Well, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah, 60, I'm sorry, I'm the decade out. I mean, 2000s. Being, being relevant for five fucking decades, I mean, that is that is talent. That is commitment. That is 
you know, when, when we, what, what, what did we used to call them? We didn't call them. Did we call them divas? Uh, uh they're not, she's an icon. Right. But what were the ones like, uh, Mariah? The and diva. The but divas, that's more yeah. of like the attitude. Is that what it is? Yeah. But I, she's more of just an icon. But it's just, it's just amazing to me. Cause I mean, I mean, I mean, hell, even some of the ones that we talk about, like Mariah. Yeah. Mariah's had a, a, you know, a long career, but I mean, even this day, this day and age, what is she really doing? She's just kind of capitalizing off that one Christmas song. Yeah. Whereas Tina's music was just timeless. Well, as, as we'll find out in like the plot of this movie, which actually did happen, whenever she tried to take her career back and be like she tried to shift what she was doing before, she did. She made an about face because she was doing rock kind of um, more soul whenever she was with Ike. But then whenever she became a rock singer, it completely catapulted her career in another direction. That's crazy. And I mean, there. I mean, obviously, whenever you have that much fame, there's also going to be those rumors that fly. And one of my favorite rumors about tina i don't know if it's actually true is that her legs were insured for like 3.2 million dollars because she did have a fine pair of legs i have heard that same was it T- it might have been tina that i heard it about or maybe it was j-lo's butt j-lo's like, butt and tina's yes, legs thank you yes j-lo's yeah. butt i mean and i think you're right i think that's just one of those those silly rumors that you get that you hear about from hollywood when a person has a very noticeable feature that people tend to kind of gravitate towards the feature itself gets its own rumors. So Mm. I, I could believe it because if it was, you know, if, if her image, much like JLo's butt, (laughs) I love, I love how we're talking so much about JLo's butt. butt. Uh, Going back to JLo's posterior. um, When we're talking about those attributes, I could, I could believe it if somebody said, yeah, you know, they're, they actually ensured that, part of their body in case that you know it was damaged oh, that yeah. way they could potentially you know m- have some sort of capital that they might have lost from you know any sort of damage to that but at the same time it, i could just as easily believe that it was just a complete fucking fabrication made out of thin air because somebody was like man those legs are so good they should be insured exactly. and then it just turned into a fucking like rumor so going into the plot of this movie it starts out with and i love this scene because it's a young tina turner singing in church and they're singing this little light of mine, but the way that it's happening is that they're like, you know, this little light of mine. But she's in the background going like, this little light of mine, oh yeah. <laughs> so she's like putting soul on it. I'm, I'm getting Sister Act vibes. <laughs> and I love it because there's like an interjection from the choir, the choir mistress who comes over and she's like, you know, you're going to cut that out. This is the house <laughs> of the Lord. So this is the scene. This is o- the opening of The Simpsons, where Lisa is going nuts with a saxophone, and yeah. the, the director is pointing her yeah, out the pretty door. Pretty much, got it. Got and it. she's yeah. like, "You're going to cut that out. Do you understand me?" And then Tina looks at her and she's like, "Do you understand me?" <laughs> and then she's like, "All right, cut it back to this one part of the song." They start singing again. It takes maybe five seconds. Tina's right back to it. So the choir miss just grabs her ear and is like dragging her out and she's still singing the entire time. <laughs> she throws her outside, closes the door, and she's still fucking singing. <laughs> she's good. So she's she's like going home and she hears this arguing going on. She hears her mom talking to her grandma and her her mom is telling her that she's gonna leave. Like she she can't deal with the fact that her husband was beating her. So she actually takes Tina's sister, Eileen, with her and leaves. But she says that she can't raise both of them, so she just leaves Tina to be raised by her grandma. Fuck. So her grandma does take her, and she's like, you know, you're going to come live with me. They take off. 
And as Tina walks into the house before they actually leave, you can see that there's blood everywhere. There's like, it was clearly a fight. So her mom was getting severely abused, which doesn't make sense for later in the movie. We'll talk about this, which she should not have allowed this to happen. But she takes off and she goes with the grandma and then it fast forwards. Um, we find out that her grandma did die. And now she's seeing her mom for the first time. I think it's like probably, I forget exactly what it is. It's like close to like 10 years almost that she hadn't seen her mom. So she comes, she meets her mom. She meets her sister again and they're in the house and you can tell that there's some tension. She had just made food for the family and her grandma or her mom is like, so who taught you how to cook like that? Your grandma? And she's like, well, who else? And her mom, you know, clearly has to address this. She's like, look, you were too young to understand what was going on between me and your dad. And she's like, but Eileen was? Because Eileen's not that much older than Tina. And she's like, look, you're not going to make me feel bad in my house. But then she, like, kicks her and her daughters out of the house because she's like, I have a date. Eileen, you need to take your sister with you to go work because Eileen works at this nightclub where Ike Turner performs. Oh. Yeah. I was in a club in East St. Louis where Ike Turner performed with the Kings of Rhythm. So she comes in one night, and she sees them perform, and Ike was doing this thing at the end of his show where he would pass the mic around the room and let women sing because I think he was just trying to get a new artist, and these women that were singing were terrible. And so Tina's like, you know, these people are so awful. And then, like, as the night kind of winds down, they go back home. Tina has this fantasy that Ike Turner is going to, like, whisk her away and become, like, you know, he's going to make her his singer. And you can hear her kind of singing in the bathroom. And then the next night, Tina goes and she's borrowed this really nice dress from her sister. And she's she's like, okay, well, I'm going to have my moment. Ike does his thing where he sings his songs and then he passes the mic around. Again, just terrible singers galore. But then Eileen gets them to bring the mic over to Tina Tina takes the mic and just blows the house down. Ike is so astounded by her voice because her voice was so unique. If you've ever heard Tina Turner sing, she had this harshness to her voice, but it was also like a softness. Because, and he even said, as they, you know, after after they leave the club. You know, she's going out to go to have breakfast with this other guy, Spider, who is very interested in Tina. But then Ike walks in and is like, Spider, go get me some cigarettes and like send Spider on his way so he can have him some Tina time. Mm. So Ike... Some Tina time. (laughs) Some Tina time. Tina time. So Ike explains to Tina that he's like, you know, you are a woman. Anyone can see that. But you sound like a man when you sing. And and she kind of seems taken aback by that. He's like, no, I love it. Like this this is what's going to sell records. So you can tell that Ike's trying to capitalize on Tina. So I guess I'm confused. Obviously, Ike was a performer, but was he also somewhat of a producer in his own right? Or Yeah. Okay. So Ike, and he makes mention of this in the, the movie where he says that a lot of people, he says his real talent, because, you know, he can sing. He's like, but my real talent is basically making records, making really good songs and making people famous. But then he's like, you know, people get famous and they just leave me. But that's all right. And that's a, that's another thing that happens later where he's very kind of afraid that Tina's going to leave him later on down the line, which starts to breed some resentment. And this is the first start of that where he's telling her, you know, 
this is different. I'm going to make you a star. And he can see her as his ticket to success. Got it. So the next day, um, Tina is at home and she's kind of talking about the night before. And she's talking about how Ike wants her to be his new singer. Her mom's like, you know, what what are you doing hanging out with Ike Turner? Essentially, like, you know, you need to make money. This isn't going to make money. You're just going to be a singer. What's going on? So she sees that Ike pulls out up front and he's got a very, very nice car. So she's starting to see, okay, maybe this can make some money. She's talking to Ike and he's like, you know, can I speak to your mother? She's like, my mother? He's like, oh, yeah. She's like, you're anime Lex mom? And, you know, he's basically trying to flatter her by saying, you know, can y'all believe that this is anime's mom? And she's like kind of flattered by that. And he's talking to her about trying to get Tina to come. And at the time, she's Anime Bullock. So she's not Tina yet. I keep right, calling right. her Tina, but Anime Bullock is what she's going by now. Now, so, you keep saying, or is it like Anna May? Anna May Bullock. So okay, because. Anna May. You, you're Bullock. putting it together, and anime. it almost sounds like you're saying anime. Anime. <laughs> like well, she's, well, that's how like she's, a, she's a Japanese cartoon. No. This is what he says. He says anime. Anime. So it's, he says, you know, I want anime to be in my band. Can you let her do that? And she's like, you know, no, she needs to be a nurse. She needs to make some money. So he's like, hey, I think my boys outside rolled over your flowers. They should pay for the damages. And he pulls out like a wad of cash and just hands it to her. Smart. And she looks out outside whenever she finally accepts that Anna can come and go join the Kings of Rhythm. And she notices no one rolled over any fucking flowers. He just gave her money. So the next thing you see is Anna at their practice and. He's trying to get this sound out of her because he knows that she's got this kind of like forceful, deeper voice sound. He's trying to like make it rougher. But her mom and her sister are also at the practice. And while Anna's singing, she's like, what do you mean rougher? She's got her screaming like a man. And so so Ike's like, well, I'm going to go like get her mom out of the room. He's like, you want a drink? She's like, yes, I want a drink. (laughs) (laughs) He like ushers her and Eileen out of the room while he's trying to get this sound out of her. And it's kind of cool what happens because as she's singing the song, like scoots over, like like slides on his knees to these singers in the corner. And he like basically gets them to harmonize while anime singing. So he's like building his sound as things are happening. Interesting. And it's kind of a really cool scene. And then you see kind of like this little montage of them basically putting together a album cover or like a tour cover for this, like with like a photo shoot. And when was this movie made? The 90s? Yeah. The early 90s, right? Yeah, 93. Okay. So yeah, we have to have montages. Yeah, have to have montages. Gotta, Gotta have a montage. So at the end of this, he's kind of given a talk to his band and he's like, you know, if you're late to practice, it's going to be $5 fine. Like, basically trying to set the ground rules for everyone, making sure that everyone knows that anime is his flagship and that she should be taken care of. But then Lorraine, who is Ike's, not not wife, but girlfriend, kind of comes out and she can see that Ike has other, other ideas in his head about Anna as well and gets very jealous. So they kind of go off in the corner and they're fighting. And... Later on, he's downstairs by himself. He's playing the piano, and he's, like, working on a song. You can kind of tell what he's working on, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the songs later. But it's basically a well-known song by them. And she comes downstairs. They're talking. It looks like they might kiss at one point because he's, he's like, you know, can I, 
open your mouth really quick and she gets really close and he looks in her mouth and he's like you ain't never been to the dentist before have you <laughs> and she's I was, like i was like i feel like this is not gonna go the direction you're you're leading us towards and she's like what and he's like yeah you got a lot of cavities back there i'm gonna have frost who's who's his friend carry her to the dentist in the morning and then she's like okay well you know i gotta leave and he's like no 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 it's too late you need to stay the night so he's got a room in the back that he you know he has her go stay in and in the middle of the night, Lorraine comes into the room with a gun, points it at Anna, and is like, what the fuck is going on here? And Anna's freaking out. She's like, Lorraine, you know, don't. And Lorraine tells Anna, you know, you're not even worth the bullet. Damn. Walks out of the room, goes into what I think is the bathroom, and then shoots herself. Fuck. Yeah. And so she's freak like This Anna's- took a fucking turn. Anna's freaking out. She runs down the hall. Ike is wondering what the fuck's going on. He comes out. He's like, you know, what what's going on? He, like, pounds on the door, opens it up, and you just hear him say, oh, shit. And then Frost comes out there. They see what's going on. They're like, oh, my God. Anna comes running back into the room. Then they get Lorraine sent off to the hospital. You can tell that she didn't shoot herself in the head. It was, I think, like, in her chest area. But she shot herself. And the entire time she's in the ambulance, she's like, why is she here, Ike? You're basically saying, like, why did you bring this woman to the house? Because it seems like they've had some problems, and you'll see why later. I, I, kinda... uh, I, I was led to believe that this was a happy little tale about Lawrence Fishburne dressed like Lord Farquaad. Why? Why? why he, are do- we all... he does dress like Lord Farquaad, but it's, it's not a happy little tale. I, I was, I was, I was misinformed. <laughs> like the waters in Castlebuck. <laughs> waters in Castlebuck. <laughs> exactly. I gets back from the hospital because Anna was just kind of left to her own devices at the house while they went off to the hospital. He gets back and he's talking to her and he's like, you know, she's going to be okay. And he's like, you know, she did the worst thing possible. She stopped believing in me. And he's given this kind of speech to her about how he doesn't like hospitals because his dad was messing with some gangster's woman. He like, he got holes kicked into his stomach. Damn. Yeah, it's 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 a very loving scene. Yeah, sounds like it. And then he's you know telling her you know please don't leave because she's t- saying that she's got to leave and he's like you know don't leave me by myself. Then they kiss at the hospital. No, this isn't at the hospital. They're at the house now. Okay, because Anna was just kind of okay. left at the house. Gotcha. All right. Um, and so they're kind of having this back and forth. He kisses her and he's like you know don't leave. And then the kissing leads to other things and there's a very what what other things AJ. The beast with two backs. The so you want to see two, two dragons. dragons. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they they have some, they have some relations, and then the next scene is them going on the tour. Okay. So it's is it, final, a, is it a montage? No, this one's not a montage per se. It's just like them going on a tour. They're kind of talking. You can tell that now they're actually in a full blown relationship. And he says that he so kind of a skip ahead. Yeah, kind okay, of a skip gotcha, ahead. I gotcha. Okay. So they're in another city and. He sees a billboard with Marilyn Monroe, and he's like, you know, Anna, I want you to go get your hair done, and I want the, I want you to have the same color hair as Marilyn Monroe. So they go into a salon. They're getting their hair done. And Wait, is getting... this where we get the crazy, iconic Tina Turner, like, big look. blonde hair look? Well, Tina never really had a blonde hair look until the um, the 80s. I was about to say, I thought that was so much later. It was like, it wasn't a blonde hair look, though. It was like a... Like a spiky, like a, brown. like a brownish, yeah. yeah. But, but it was it was definitely unique. In this one, it, this is not start though. This is just her. She's getting her hair dyed, and the girl doing her hair fucks up. Oh! It bleaches her hair, and her hair just starts falling out. 
Oh, fuck. So I don't know if you remember, in the early 60s through the 70s, Tina and her group had a very distinctive look. They all kind of had the same hair. So this starts that distinctive look of them having a wig, because now she's got to cover this up. So instead of just her having this wig and it standing out and being looking very obvious, he has them all wear them. He didn't do this. Oh. They all came up with this idea on the spot. Now, he is a perfectionist, like I said, so it was they were worried that Ike was going to lose his shit. Because whenever they're singing the song, like Ike's, you know, basically instructing the band to start the song and it's going, you can hear the intro and Anna is not on stage and he's like Anime. Anime. Get your butt out of here, girl. And she comes running out with this wig. It's a beautiful wig too. And she starts singing this uh this this song Rock Me Baby. <laughs> See, I don't want you to put the song in now. I I like your rendition. It's a fucking great ass song. How's that go again? Rock me, baby. <laughs> it's a really phenomenal song. And then they're like they're they're in the dressing room after the the night has been done, and you can tell these girls are ecstatic because they had a wonderful show. Ike comes in there, snatches a wig off one of their heads, and he's like, "Now who did this?" Looks like he's about to be very very fucking upset. He's like, "Nah." This is perfect. This is exactly what we need. We need to put this in the show. And then he goes over to Anna and he's kind of talking to her and he makes mention of her being a little bit fatter. Remember what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. So the next thing you see is, you know, she she's in the, the hospital and she's having a baby. So we're kind of, I mean, we did a montage earlier, but it sounds like we're, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah, quick. We're, we're using kind of a fast forward method to, to get us from point to point instead of, you know, kind of belaboring. So it's a lot, it's actually a lot like the queen biopic Yeah, because we kind of did the same thing where it was just, like fast we, you know, just kind of fast forwarded two things instead of trying to, because I know in the queen biopic, they did use a montage. This actually it almost sounds formulaic because this is start, sounding a lot like the queen biopic where early on we used a montage to kind of show you know, uh, a building up, but then as we're moving to important points, we just kind of fast forward and use the ending of one scene to, to launch into us into the next yeah. one. So interesting. This is this is the scene that really shows how much of a piece of shit Ike was. I was wondering if we were going to get to that because so far he seems so agreeable. Like every time there's a, he's like, oh, you know, you sound like a man. Oh, I love it. Oh, whose idea was this wig? No, 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 it's a good idea. And like so far, he seems very agreeable and very amenable to new ideas and it's like that doesn't sound like the Ike Turner that I'm familiar with no this is where it starts to show that he's a piece of shit he they're in the hospital and the doctor's mentioning to Ike that she's very very sick you know after she had a baby he's you know he's like no we got a lot of shows we got to do he's like you know we got San Antonio he's like that's a lot of money we're talking about and the doctor's like no she needs rest the next the next thing you see is it's that same day that same night he comes and he has Frost pick Tina, or sorry, he has Frost pick up Anime and he's taking her outside and she's like, you know, where are we going? And then they grab the baby and they're taking her out. He's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to go. He's like, you don't need to be at the hospital. The doctors really don't know what they're talking about. And what's kind of funny is that while she was in the hospital, she's kind of like dazed and she's like, what the hell's going on? And their song is playing in the background and she hears them say Ike and Tina but she doesn't know that that's what was said. She's like, Ike Tina, what the hell is that? <laughs> so did they actually say Ike and Tina? Or did she they did say Ike and Tina. They said Ike and Tina Turner. And this is the first time you hear her get her name. 
so was it was it a mistake and no, she no, just no. adopted her or was it like that's the way ike told the radio station or something Ike gave her the name tina turner and didn't so this cons- is this is her finding out she's been given this name yeah okay he gotcha. didn't consult her or anything he just kind of gave her the name and this is where i i can't believe i forgot that this was a thing because this is where it kind of leads into maybe they're gonna get married because she's like she's in there she's like i could tina who the who is that she's like no ike and tina it sounds like wedding bells to me. That's what her mom says. Her, she's like, you know, he gave you her, her um, he gave you his name. So as he's leading her out of the hospital, like I just described, he the way to kind of get her to agree because she doesn't want to leave. She's she's sick. She's tired. Right. Yeah. He's like, you know, we're gonna go down to Mexico. We're gonna get married. So he he basically uses marriage as a manipulative tactic to get her back on stage because he's worried about losing money. Yeah. Remember, okay. they just had this baby. Right. But he's like, no, your mom's going to take the baby for a few days. We're going to go down to Mexico. We're going to get married. And then we're going to go back on tour. She had no rest. So they go down to Mexico. They get they get married. And you can hear one of their classic songs. This is a, I think it's going to work out fine, which is a very classic song by them. It's a really good song. I love it. Yeah. And they're kind of going through Mexico. And they're kind of doing like the 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 goofy couples thing where he's in the car he has them take off and she's like running after the car and you know he's pretending he's gonna leave her and then it's like a it's like a a fun moment between them then the next thing you see is that she's in a room it looks like her dressing room and she's you can clearly see that she's sick she's got a cough her voice is leaving ike comes into the room and he's like you know you know what's going on she's like ike i'm sick i can't i can't go out tonight and he's like no, this is New York City because they, they've gone to New York. This is where Ike wants to get to. And he's like, we have a lot of money riding on this. This is my dream. And she's like, I, what happens if I try to sing and nothing comes out? I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, you're sorry. You're one of the sorriest motherfuckers I ever met in my life. He's like, this is supposed to be the biggest night of my career. And you fucked it up for me. Damn. And then he like slams the door and walks out. So he's basically forcing her into doing this for him. So she gets on stage and it's this the scene where she's trying to work up the courage to sing this song and he comes up, steps back, gives her a kiss on the cheek and then you see like one tear kind of fall down her face and then she launches into this. Something on my mind. Won't somebody please please tell me what's wrong? So during that song, you can tell that she's struggling to sing. But then as time goes on, you know, her voice gets stronger because she's like putting all of her effort into it because she's doing it for Ike. Now, this does start their career. After that, after that performance, you know, he gets an advancement from this company that's supposed to be giving him money for some records. And they're starting to like basically say, all right, we're going to get a new house. We're going to start you know, doing all these different things, all the stuff that Ike wants to do. As they're getting their old house picked up, you can tell that Ike is flirting with another woman and she's telling her mom every time she turns her back, he's doing that kind of shit. And her mom is like, he's just a man, you know, you know, whatever, let him go. And the reason that she's doing this is because she just saw a check that they're going to get. And they, they, they made quite a bit of money. I was about to say, I feel like there's going to be a monetary uh, motivation for the mom in this oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because she, she even tells Tina at one point, she's like, you know, 
don't forget the people that you know got you to where you were remember her mom wasn't there for her whenever she was younger she was barely in the fucking picture but she's like you know i will never forget that mom i'll never forget my blood then you see lorraine who is she's feeling better now takes ike's two kids and brings them and she's like oh you want to be a family man now you want to be a dad drops your <laughs> kids off and ike gets really pissed off because he's like you know what am i going to do with two more kids like what am, what am i going to do with two more kids like he's freaking out about this i'm like oh have two more kids i guess so now they have four kids because um tina also had another kid he had two she had two now this is where it the, the fiction in it kind of came out because apparently Tina already had a kid whenever they got together. Okay. So one of their kids wasn't Ike's, but they kind of make it seem like it's his in the, in the movie. But, you know, that's just one of those things. So they buy a new house, and it's shown that they have this beautiful pool. You know, they're getting all these furs and everything like that. Like, they're, they're spending the money that they're getting. And Ike, and Ike is inside, and he's working on a song. Tina's outside playing with her friends and she's having a good old time and she comes inside trying to get Ike to kind of come outside and you know interact with them and he's like no I have to work on these records because I owe these people a lot of money I promise a lot of things and she's like what you know they should how much money we make them because of all their tours and then Ike is talking to her again and he's like you know I gotta write these songs and she's she's like I don't know they kind of sound like the same songs because you know he has a very distinctive style and he's right. like what and she kind of was talking to him she's like you know but you have your you know you have your own style and this is the first time you see but apparently this is not the first time it's happened where he just beats the shit out of her oh her shit. friends are outside and they can hear all of this so he, this is not like you know we're not we're not easing into this this is no. like you know one hit turns into two hits turns into you know a, a flat-out beating he just starts beating her well first he like slaps her and then she holds her face and she's like, you know, you promised you wouldn't do it. And then he just comes after her and just starts like punching her. Damn. And then he drags her down the hallway into her room and then like kind of leaves her to her own devices. And he looks at her. And he's like, you know, I guess you're going to leave me now. Okay. Walks away. Her friends try to come in. And at one point, Jackie, who's like her best friend, is like trying to console her. And she's like, you know, he shouldn't be doing that to you. And then she takes Ike's side and she's like, don't do that. You know, don't don't put him down. He's under a lot of pressure right now. She's like, you know, the the music's not right, the money, blah blah blah. And she's like, and what do I do? I insult him. Like basically taking ownership of the fact that he just beat her ass and it's her fault. And she's sleeping it off, obviously. He comes in with a present and that's supposed to be like it's all good. Time kind of fast forwards a little bit. It goes through, you know, all of their songs, you know, they they obviously have a career. You can tell Sorry, wait, when this, this first, well, I, I, you said it wasn't the first beating. It's no. just the first one we're introduced to. Where where, where are we timeline-wise? Time-wise, it's still um, like mid-60s, something around that region. Okay, so we're still pretty early on. Yeah, you, okay. this is not the classic look that you see him wearing. I mean, you do see that in the next scene, though, but that, that oh, look. Oh, uh, you mean his Farquaad, his, Farqua, yeah. uh, his, his uh, Lord Farquaad impression? Yeah. What's crazy to me, though, is that that meme the way he looks isn't like isn't the scene that a lot of people think it is because there's a fucking terrible scene that happens later but that look that he gives is is like a very innocuous look in the movie it's not nearly as bad as what it looks like it was, i mean i just made a good screen grab yeah. honestly yeah it is great because he's like 
go to our Instagram post, you'll you'll see that picture. Oh yeah. So moving on, it kind of goes through some of their career. You can tell that it's not continuing to go up, but it's going kind of horizontal. It's just kind of staying on the same path. Ike's trying to write new songs, but again, she said they're kind of all kind of sound the same. But then a big name after one of the performances sees Ike and Tina perform. And he's very excited because he's like, I get to work with her. It's a name by the name of Phil Spector. Oh, Phil Spector, God. Was, yeah, Phil Spector yeah. was a big name. Oh yeah, no, he was a huge name. He, uh, oh God, who was he? Um, have you been watching Marvelous Miss Maisel at all? No. So there was this comedian uh, around the time that Marvelous Miss Maisel was supposed to be taking place, which is also like the yeah. '60s, uh, and his name was Lenny Bruce. I know Lenny Bruce. Yeah, I know that name. Yes. So his comedy was very. You know, think like he was the Carlin of the 60s, you yeah. know, really pushing the envelope, saying the things he wasn't supposed to be saying, being somewhat political, got arrested a lot, apparently. Well, apparently he he passed away uh, and he was fairly young. I think he was only like in his 40s. I think maybe like somewhere between 40 and 45. And it was a drug, uh, a drug induced mm. um, uh, death. And it was actually Phil Spector who paid to get a hold of these photos that were taken to make sure they never got released ah so, i remember the story yeah so just it, it which is a weird juxtaposition because do you know how phil specter ended right i didn't know how he he died I no no i don't mean how die. he died i mean how his how because uh, i think he just passed away or maybe he's still alive i'm not sure i'm not I'm exactly sure but uh yeah he was convicted of murder Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he apparently murdered somebody in like the early 2000s, and they finally caught up with him, and he was just convicted not too long ago. I, I, I didn't know that. Oh, I yeah. So, like, yeah, Phil Spector, like his his arc really just, it, it's a weird arc, because he was considered an absolute genius yeah. in the music industry at one point. Like, he was the man to get your career started. Well, with this, he invented something called the wall of sound. I don't exactly know the mechanics behind it, but it was supposed to be this new inventive way of producing music. And what he wanted to do was, in the scene, after the thing, he comes in, he's talking to Tina, he wants to make a record. And Ike is super stoked about this, because he's like, oh, he's going to make a record with Ike and Tina. And then he dresses the room, he's like, I want to make a record with Tina. So he cuts Ike down in front of everyone. Shit. So Ike kind of pulls him aside. He's like, well, let me talk to you really quick. So you wouldn't know this in the movie because it's not really said. But later on, you find out that Ike would only let this happen if it was basically the credit was given to Ike and Tina. Because she's the only one that sang on this. Ike had nothing to do with this. So Ike was okay with letting her be the the headline and the the like the 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 sole singer of it. But he wanted credit. He wanted credit. Okay. Because he knew that if his name was on this, he's going to get paid for this. Right. So she sings this song, a very, very well-known song called River Deep, Mountain High. Okay. When I was a little girl, I had a breakdown. Only doubt I ever owned. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, very well-known song. And it does really great somewhat so it's it's the problem with the song is that it was well received by critics but the problem was is it couldn't cross into the white charts oh sure because and it kind of found this weird middle ground because it was too black to be pushed into the white charts and it was too white because of the sound to be in the black charts so it didn't find this middle ground and 
so it's like me, you know. It's, 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 <laughs> That's what I should have said. It's like, so it's like you. Yeah, it's, it's like me. Okay. I'm just like kind of halfway <laughs> in the middle there. Well, the problem was is that, like, Phil took this to heart because it was a really, really good song. If you've heard the song, a lot of people have. A lot of people have covered this song. It's a phenomenal song. Even, like, when Ike is listening to it in the movie, he's like, he can tell this is a fucking amazing song. He can't do what Phil just did. And he's like, you know, this the song's, you know, it's out of sight. It's really good. You can see how jealous he's getting about this. But like I said, in real life, initially the song didn't do really, really well. But now it's kind of taken on a life of its own. It's a really well-known song. It did get its credit. But apparently after this, Phil took a break. He's like, you know, he he took the, the criticism about this song to heart and the fact that it didn't do so well. He took it to heart and just kind of disappeared for a while. Interesting. As time goes on. So what is interesting to me, too, is apparently... um. Yeah, cut Spectre off that Phil did, Spectre freak stuff, by the way. Sorry, go ahead. Apparently, Phil Spector did pay Ike $25,000 to stay the fuck out of the studio. Interesting. Yeah, so, so he did get some monetary... Some, so, which is weird, because at the end of the day, uh, Ike was... He, he had some talent, fine. But it wasn't Tina talent. No. It was nowhere near Tina talent. And it's interesting that you're basically telling me, within the biopic... Phil Spector, who was considered, you know, before he became, before we all realized he was a creep and a murderer, he was considered a brilliant music producer. Like, he was mm. the standard by which other music producers set themselves, and he saw it right away. He saw these two, and he said, nope, that's the star. That's the talent. Th- that's the talent. That's the one that's going to skyrocket. This other person that's involved in this little duo, he's the rock holding her down. Oh, yeah, for sure. And after this... You can tell he's upset. They're in a diner later on with some of the band members and Ike. And this is the famous scene where if you ever hear someone say, eat the cake anime, this is what this is from. Because they're in a diner and they're kind of celebrating the success. Ike's talk about how they're getting back on the road. And he's like, you know, you did a good song, blah, 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 whatever. And he tells the waitress, because they're just being kind of ruckus. And he's loaded on fucking cocaine, just high out of his mind. He's like, you know, bring that whole cake over here. There's like a cake in a desk because they're in a diner. And he he tells them to bring the whole cake over there. And he's trying to force Tina to eat the cake. And she doesn't want any cake. So he kind of shoves it in her face. And she gets upset. And then he slaps her. But then her friend Jackie tries to intervene. And he slaps Jackie. And Jackie's like, no, you don't got to hit me but one time. Then she's getting ready to leave. And they have an argument. And Tina kind of gets in the middle and she's like, no, 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 it's all right. As Tina's fucking bloody. And she's like, no, it's not all right to let a motherfucker pound on you. And I, you know, tries to go after her. And Jackie's like, you know, kiss my ass and leaves. And Jackie's been a part of the band the entire time. So now he's got to have someone replace her. And things kind of move on and Tina gets upset. You know, this is kind of the last straw because she just lost a friend over this. So basically she's like, I'm going to fucking leave. So in the middle of the night, it's very quiet in the house. She kind of rolls out of bed. She gets all the kids together. She calls her mom, and she's like, Mom, we need to get out of here. When you say all the kids, uh, like hers, hers and, and Hans kids, yeah. Okay. So they're, they're her kids. Yeah, I mean, they're all her kids at this point, I assume. But yeah. I didn't know if uh, she only grabbed the kids that she came into the relationship with or she took them all. So, yeah, okay, she, she took yeah. them all. Okay. And so she's like, you know, we need to get out of here. So she calls her mom, and she's like, Mom. We're going to come stay with you. And she's like, don't tell Ike. And she's like, wait, what? He bought you a house. So even after all this, and I assume Tina is conveying the abuse, 
her mother is still just all about like, well, as long as there's money, then you take whatever whatever comes out of this. It, you know, you just have to take it. Well, think about what happened to her mom whenever she was younger. Her mom got the shit beat out of her, and she left. She's like, I can't deal with this. But yet her daughter is in the same scenario, but because there's money involved, like you just said, she she's can't like, empathize. Yeah, you, you, no, you Amazing. need to, you need to do what's right for your mom. But in the scene, she's like, you know, I'm gonna come tell. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm gonna come stay with you. Don't tell Ike. You don't hear anything on the back in the background, but it's kind of implied that you know her mom immediately is probably gonna go tell. So that she gets all the kids on the bus and she's trying to take them off to go see her mom. And then there's a scene where her mom is sleeping and she gets a call and she's like, hello, Ike, because Ike calls her mom. They're outside of this truck stop at one point because they're riding this bus and they're like, they're like getting donuts in the morning. She turns around. The kids are gone. She doesn't know what's going on. She looks over. She sees Ike has now followed them and he's got a car. And Ike's like, you know, get in the car. I don't have time to play this. Basically, she has no other recourse but to get in the car and go back to her life. Damn. Now, this does start um, another path, because I don't know if you remember, but Ike and Tina did tour around. And Ike kind of felt like he wasn't being he wasn't being very appreciated during this because everyone really wanted to see Tina. But okay. it's just one of those things where you can see his jealousy growing and growing. But this is also where you get that, that classic recording of Proud Mary. Okay. All yeah, right. So everyone's heard that I can Tina Proud Mary. It's like one of the most well. I personally, I didn't even know when I was a kid that Creedence Clearwater Revival were the ones that did Proud Mary. I thought it was just I can Tina. You know, every now and then, I think you might like to hear something from us, nice and easy. But there's just one thing. You see, we never ever do nothing nice. Anything. Yeah. Wait. Oh. Oh. CCR did it. Yeah. CCR was the first. One yeah. I had no it. idea. I just. Yeah. I, yeah, I, when yeah. I hear rolling on that. Ri- when I, yeah. When I hear rolling, rolling, it's like yeah, no. It's, that's, it's that's, like that's, that's Tina. That's who that is. That's who. That's. I had no idea CCR had done that. And this does transform their little, their little group into something that's international now. Now they've got a lot of success. So I assume we're in the seventies at least now. Right? Yeah, like okay. early early seventies. Early seventies. That is that when that is that when she they, she did Proud Mary was it early seventies. Yeah, early seventies. God, for some reason my brain thought it was like early eighties. No, no, no. This was like still whenever they were together. Interesting. All right, gotcha. Um, so I guess this was because uh, she didn't do Nutbush City Limits until nineteen seventy three. So it had to have been like really early seventies. And this song and that tour came before that. So after the tour, after they're getting success, Tina wrote a song called Nutbush City Limits, which is a, a, a song about her life in Nutbush City, which is Nutbush City, Tennessee. And this is a scene where Ike is just fucked up, like just completely just blitz cocaine, just blah, 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 wall, just fucked how's, up. How's that go again? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he had been riding. Is that, is that your cocaine face? Blah, 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 blah. He had been riding that white pony for a minute. That white pony. Yeah. And she's singing the song, and she's singing it exactly how she should be singing it. But he's like, Goddamn, man, what the fuck you doing in there, huh? That ain't what you're supposed to sing. Now, you know better than that. You know you got to sing this motherfucker the way I told you to, right? Goddamn, man, how many motherfucking times I got to tell you? If you're going to sing this song, you got to sing this motherfucking And so everyone's, like, getting kind of frustrated because they're like, you know, she's singing. But everyone in the room, because there's a lot of people in their house while she's recording because they have a recording studio in, in the house. house yeah well that's something that ike really wanted he always wanted a recording studio in the house 
And so she's singing the song exactly how she should be singing it. And they're kind of going back and forth. And he keeps stopping her as she's going. And he's like, you can't even remember the words. She's like, of course I can remember the words. I wrote it. He's like, you wrote the motherfucking song. And now you can't even remember the words. And so they're still fighting. But people are starting to leave. And so Ike takes it upon himself to go into the studio. And she's like, you know, I'm done. I'm tired. Nah, this is the scene where a lot of people will say this is where things kind of get fucked up. He rapes Tina, right? Oh, this is the scene you're talking about. He rapes Tina right in the studio. And after this, Tina is kind of distraught. She's in like a state where she's like, she really kind of catatonic, kind of catatonic. And she takes a whole bottle of pills. And so one day while she's getting ready to perform, she's like doing her makeup and everyone around her can kind of see something's wrong because she's like dragging the eyeliner up over her eyebrows and she's like just kind of spacing out and she kind of falls back because she's ODing. In the car, Ike is with her and he's pissed off because she's costing him a lot of money, first of all. But then he's like, you know, if you leave me, if you die, I'll kill you. What? I was like, what the fuck? Is that, is that like, is that is that coke? Is that coke speak? Is that what that yeah, is? It's coke speak, is what it is. So it sounds like that line from uh from Sidekicks, where he's like, I swear to God, if you die, I'm gonna kill myself and come after you. That's pretty much what it is. Like, what the hell? He's like, if you die, I'll kill you. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> Ike? So, uh, Tina's in the hospital. She does get a little bit better, but during this time, Ike kind of takes it upon himself to just remodel the whole fucking house. So she had this whole like feng shui thing going on. It was really nice in the house. She gets back, he's posted fucking paintings of himself on the wall and kind of he's got this like um what's a purple haze, Jimi Hendrix look kind Hendrix of going about up. him. It's like what what the fuck is going on? He's just blaring rock music and it's just not a vibe anymore. While Tina was in the hospital, she did have a visitor, her sister, right? What's her sister's name, do you remember? Oh god, no I don't. Or- yeah, her sister's name is Eileen. But her sister Jackie comes to visit. How many sisters does she have? She only has one. Her sister Jackie is actually her friend Jackie. She kind of says that, hey, I didn't think that they let me in if I wasn't family. Because she's the only one that really came and visited oh, okay. All right. in the hospital. So it wasn't actually her sister coming no. to visit. Okay. But I, thought as, you were, I thought you were trying to insinuate there was some sort of weird continuity no, in no, the no. film. No, no, no. So I got really confused It's just the minute. fact that Jackie is her friend, but she was the one that was there for her. Gotcha. So after she gets out of the hospital and she gets back and sees Ike... She does come and see Jackie. Like, she goes to go visit. And she walks in, and Jackie's kind of got a different vibe going on in her house. Pictures like, of Ike everywhere. No. no. <laughs> you, you can just tell that there's, like, a very definitive Buddhist undertone to this house. Okay. As she walks in, you could hear some chanting that was going on. Like, Jackie was chanting nam yo ho which is a Buddhist Buddhist chant. Uh, of course, that <laughs> that old famous chestnut. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> so she takes Tina in, and they have kind of a back and forth moment, really quick, where they're kind of being funny, where they're making fun of Ike, and she's like, you know, you know, that's five, 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 five fine, and they're like just going back and forth, and just kind of making fun of his mannerisms, and then Jackie goes, "Oh, Ike." Basically kind of playing herself as Tina, like, oh, you know, don't hit me again, essentially. Like, you know, basically, and she doesn't say it exactly like that, but she's basically like... But making light of abuse. Making light of the abuse, and Tina, like, looks at herself, like, takes it... You can tell that she's kind of looking inward, and she's basically realizing where she is. Jackie apologizes and says, you know, let me teach you what I've been doing. I'm a Buddhist now, and this is what I do. I chant. It's a way to kind of, like, center yourself. So she teaches... 
Tina how to chant Nam Yoho Rengekyo. And they, she just does this over and over and over again. And at first, Tina's like, you know, this is silly. But then she really gets into it. She's at home. She's chanting. She has an altar now that she's chanting because she's fully embracing Buddhism. And it's helping her. It's helping her gain her strength back. So at one point, she's she's got all the strength that she's going to get. She's on the plane with Ike. And Ike is just irritating. He's resting on her. She doesn't want that. He's like, you know, let me let me go to sleep. And so she just gets up and walks away. After, after they leave the, the airport, they get into her, her limousine. But before they get in the limousine, she tries to call a taxi. She doesn't want to be in the same car with Ike. So Ike's like, what the hell are you doing? Get in the car. So he kind of shoves Tina into the car. They have a fight right there. You know, he's going back to slapping the chef and everything like that. But Tina's not taking it this time. They go back and forth. And they beat the ever-living shit out of each other. Damn. They get out of the car and they go to their hotel her face is fucked. His face is fucked. And you can tell that the concierge at the hotel was like, I don't really know what to do here. They check into their room. Ike tells Tina that he's going to take a little nap. So she was supposed to perform before the Oscars that night. Ike says, you know, you need to wake me up before the sound check. And she, you know, says, you know, do you want me to do anything else for you? And he's like, go inside and get yourself cleaned up. So she goes in the bathroom and she starts looking at her face and she realizes how fucked up this is and like she finally is like i need to take myself out of this equation so she just gets out of the hotel room leaves and runs to another hotel the ramada which is i've been in the ramada i actually like ramada hotels i don't know why what were they trying to paint it as being like shitty or something no it was just like it was a less scaled version of like what she was in like i she was probably in like a four hearts four star hotel this is painted as like a three star hotel okay so not bad but not not the same caliber right and so she gets to the front desk and she's like hello me and my husband had a fight my name is tina turner if you could give me a room a very appreciative i don't have any money or my cards on me right now but i will pay you back and this is where the concierge at this hotel and the hotel manager come over and they're like no it'll be our honor so they get her hotel room and she gets put up for the night Next thing you see is they're finally divorcing. Like finally, it's done. Another and, uh, kind of another fast forward. Yeah, it's okay. another fast forward where they're just in a they're in a courtroom. Ike is clearly coked out of his mind. He's just rambling. In a courtroom? Yeah. Jesus he's just Christ. fucking rambling on God, and on man. about how she's got all these different things that she wants to try to take, and he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I got all this stuff. I got this 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 stuff that I can't really, you know, basically just naming off all the shit that he has, just trying to get money, and Tina basically says you know i don't want any of the money you can keep all of that i just want my name because it's, it's tina turner that technically is the name that he gave her and for some reason she, he's not fucking listening to her so he's like no 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 the, the name stays home that's my daddy's name you can't have that name it's like what the fuck like his, his dad's name is tina it's <laughs> interesting but she wins in court because the judge is like, you know, she's willing to forego all of the financial aspect of this marriage. Like, she, she'll give everything away. She just wants her name. She just wants the rights to her name. And it's kind of fucked up in this instance because she has been the mom to Ike's kids. But Ike Jr. actually goes over to the dad's side in court. Like, he leaves halfway through her side and, like, just walks over to the dad's side. And How so old he, is Ike Turner at this point? Uh, I, or Ike Turner Jr. Ike Turner Jr. is probably uh, 20, something like that. Oh, he's okay. So he's a, an adult. Yeah, because this okay. is like. I'm thinking the, like a little boy that No, this is like a late 70s, I believe. That's like 76, I believe, is whenever this happened. Okay. And so he goes over there to Ike's side, and 
basically after this, she, you know, she takes the name. She thinks she's won in court. And Ike's like, you know, you think you can have the name, but you know, you'll never leave me. You'll never leave Ike. And so they kind of split their ways. And the next time you see her, she's in the, like the, basically a hotel show. I think it's in Vegas that she's performing. Oh, like, she's, a, like a residency. Yeah, like okay. residency, but it's not a classy residency. It's like one of those ones that you might see. I'm trying to think who would be like Dustin Diamond from. Uh, okay. All right. From uh, uh, Say by the Bell. Yeah, Say by the Bell. Okay. Like so we're not talking had... like the, the Backstreet Boys or the Share no. residencies. We're talking like kind of a garbage residency yeah, like... where, you know, it's it's just some crappy hotel that's trying to make some bank off a big name but they're not really putting any yeah. money into the show like as you as you can see in this like scene like she's doing like disco inferno and stuff like that and she's she's being tina and like there's drag queens that are there and they're living it because they're like oh my god this is tina turner they're dressed as tina it's a very lovely scene between them but in the background you see like some retired um folks like just kind of coming down and they're it's, it's taking not, a break taking breaks between the buffets yeah, gotcha. it's kind of like this is not where she wants to be but she does see that there is a big profile manager there and i forget his name who's there to kind of see tina and she she's like oh my god i need to put on a good show so she's talking to him after the show and she's like you know i really want to do rock and roll i love the sounds today i don't really want to do the old stuff that i'm doing before and he's like you know rock and roll is a different game altogether she's like are are you ready for this and she's like, I, you know, I was born ready. You know, I, I really want to do this. So this is what launches her 80s career, where she's embraced the rock and roll aspect. And, like, you can see that she's got a fire back. She's really starting to go. And right before she's about to launch a big tour, she kind of comes out of, like, a, I think it's like a dance studio, recording studio. She's in the parking lot. She's super excited. And Ike is there. I fuck it. Like, I could yeah. just see this coming. I was like, you're, you're kind of building it up. Like, things are going good, yada, yada. And every time it's like, this is a movie. Ike's about to fucking show up. God damn it. Right? Ike is there, but he kind of seems like he's a different person now. You know, he's like, he doesn't look like he's on that narcotic anymore, as he says. He's no, like, no, I got out of, the cocaine. He says, I got out of that narcotic. I was like, okay, whatever. But this is where you can see the juxtaposition between the old and the new. Because she's got a newer car, and he's got, like, an older, classy car. So it's like the old and the newer meeting. He's still and he's still dressed the way he used to dress. So they're almost they're almost giving us as the audience like it could have totally played out that way, but it's it, there's almost a little creative license here if I'm if I'm kind of seeing this right that they're giving us the audience a perspective of Ike as representing her past life and that he himself never moved on from that yeah whereas they're and like you said a juxtaposition of her clearly showing that she has moved on and that she's going to go on to bigger and better things meanwhile ike is going to forever be the best he ever he's going to he's he's we're showing him as the best version that he yeah. was ever going to be which was ike of the 70s exactly and in this scene he's talking to tina and he's like you know i just want to talk to you for a minute can i have some some time and she's like you got two minutes so he gets she he kind of ushers her into his car but he tries to close the door behind her and she's like nope nope leave this door open so she leaves the door to her side open and he gets in the car and he's like you know trying to flatter her you look good blah 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 blah. <laughs> did the same crap that he pulled on his on her mom yeah exactly and she's like you know what do you want essentially and he's like you know i you know i owe a lot of money to this record company that he used to like he used to be a part of because 
he did take the money and he owes all this fucking money it's just crazy because it's like it's it's like we're almost it's he's he just gets he's in this loop yeah of just this constant like you know, yeah, there was probably some quote unquote success there for him, but it was really more because of her. Yeah, it was all he was just in a constant failure loop, and you're going right back to that same problem that started their very first fight that we get to see in the film, which is you know he's trying to write because he has to pay back the uh, the record companies, yeah. and now he's right back to having to do this again, and he's coming back to the only way he knows how. Tina, Tina, and it's it's crazy to me because like you can see that he seems to have softened a little bit. But then as this is going on and he's trying to get what he wants from Tina, he he develops that same kind of Ike personality. At first he's flattering to her. And then he's like, you know, if I could just have one song, you know, if we could just, you know, because we were great together. He's like, if we could just do one song that get off my back a little bit. And she basically tells him no. And Ike kind of is like, you know, I want you to come home now. He's like, you've been gone too long. I want you to come home because, you know, he, he still loves her. He really just loves her success. Yeah. And eventually he turns on her and he's like, oh, he's like, you'll never have what we used to have. He's like, you're nothing without me. Essentially, like, you know, you think you're going to have some success. That's fine. But you'll never be what we used to be. And she basically says, I was waiting for whenever the old Ike Turner would come back. Mm -hmm. So she gets out of the car and he, I think, forgot what he says to her, but pisses her off. So she slams his door. And it cracks his window. And he's like, no, you done broke my motherfucking car. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good job, Tina. And he's like, but that's all right. So she gets in the car. She leaves. And now the moment has arrived that she's super excited. This is about to be the concert that's going to launch her new career. This is where you see the classic the Tina. Hair. Yeah, the hair. I was hair. wondering when you were going to tell me about this the is, classic Tina this hair. This is where you see the classic Tina hair where she's like, you know, she's getting ready to go out on stage. She's getting prepared. But before this scene actually happened. Ike Turner Jr. had actually come home because he'd been gone for a while. He comes home bloodied. And he had told Tina before she was going to go on this, like before she was going to go on stage, that his dad has gone crazy. Like he's been talking about how he's going to hurt her. And she's like, you know, don't worry about that. So she's getting, like I said, she's getting prepared. This is the classic strong Tina that we know. And someone knocks on her door and she's like, you know, come in. Super excited, putting everything together. It's Ike. Mm. He walks in and he's like, you know, you you know, you thought you were gonna get rid of me. You thought that was the last you're gonna see of me. I done told you you can't get rid of me. And she's like, you know, Ike, what are you gonna do? Essentially, like, you know, people came out here to see me. And then he pulls out a gun, and he's like, you know, what what are you gonna do? He's like, you know, what are you, what are you gonna do now? Basically, insinuating he's about to fucking kill her, and she calls his bluff. She's like. What's that supposed to do? Scare me? She's like, what are you going to do? Shoot me? Do it. She's like, there's people out there. They came to see me. Me. So basically telling them that nothing you could do could put her down because she's she's achieved what she wanted. People seeing her for her. And he realizes she's stronger than he ever could be. And so he kind of just lets her go because she walks out of the room. Goes downstairs. So oh, hold on, paint paint this scene for me because I've I've got such a weird idea in my head of what's happening. Is he is he just like so? You said he she just walks past. Yeah. Him. Does he still have the gun pointed up, or does he kind of just does the gun kind of slowly come down and then she walks past? Well, him? Like, he didn't even really point me. the gun at her. She was kind of at a, a vanity doing her makeup and all so that kind of pulls of the gun out and has it at his side. Yeah, he kinda. he comes up behind her and like you. The only way you really see him is like in the mirror. And he's looking directly at her, and he pulls the gun out, and he just kind of puts it on the table. 
and basically saying, "Hey, look at this. Look what I have." Gotcha. Okay, so he's not. It's it's not pointed at her. It's just he's just using the threat of its presence. Yeah, okay. he's basically just basically trying to intimidate her. Okay, and she just gets up and walks past. Yeah, she like, gets Got up, it. walks okay. by him, and then he looks in the mirror, puts the gun away, and kind of walks out. But then, as she's she's kind of going down, a classic song is playing in the background. The namesake of the movie. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do? It got to do. I love this scene so much because it's like the classic. You can see like the joy that she has for her music. She's getting empowered, and she's kind of going about her life. And then it flashes to the uh, the audience. And I do have to say. There's an audience member in there. I wish I knew his name. He's on the right-hand side of the screen. This motherfucker is just living his life. I love it. The, like, the way he's dancing is just hilarious to me. <laughs> like You need to watch it. So everyone that goes back and they watch this, please pay attention to the guy that's on the right-hand side of the screen just living his motherfucking life. <laughs> just here for the Tina. <laughs> But, you know, she's singing the song, the crowd is loving her, and Ike looks around, because he's in the audience now, and he's looking around, he sees the success, and he sees that she did this by herself. She doesn't need him at all, so he leaves. And what I love about the scene is that Ike kind of walks out, but then when it comes back, it's not Angela Bassett anymore, it's Tina Turner. Like, the real Tina. Oh, it's the real Tina. Yeah, real Tina is on the stage. Wait, I... Okay, are they just using stock footage at this point? No, no, no. This is like, she filmed this for this. So she never watched this, and she she somewhat refutes parts of it, but she participated? Yeah, because, I mean, this was a movie about her life, and okay. it also was helping her career, too. Okay, so she wasn't necessarily on board with what became the finished product, but yeah. she, she at least was kind of on board, kind of the same, I mean, I think... Uh, uh, Elton John was perfectly fine with um, them changing some things about that, his you life. Know, yeah, them uh, you know taking some creative license, but uh, he was wasn't he in the end of uh, the, his biopic? I can't remember. He wasn't he was. at the end. It was like that they they had a picture of him. I think but something th- like that. Yeah, yeah, but he seemed to be fairly somewhat involved yeah. with his biopic as well. So I didn't realize. It, it, so I guess I didn't realize too. Tina was actually involved with the biopic. Yeah, she at was all. involved. I mean, okay. she did the whole album for this. She um so. The songs that you hear in here are all re-recordings that she did. Okay, so they're not the original recording. No. It's actually just her doing recordings specifically for the film. Yeah, and um, okay, because I mean, you got to think if she hadn't re-recorded this, Ike would have got the money for this. Oh damn! Okay, because Ike wasn't well, the Proud, one. Proud Mary was his. Uh, Proud Mary was CCR's. Well, right, but I mean, it's. All the I, other songs were technically his, but I think they were owned by another company. Because you got to think, he owed record companies oh, money. Sure, okay, yeah. So I he, guess that has been. He probably lost his public. Okay. He probably lost his uh, his royalty rights on these. I don't really, I don't really know what happened with this. So yeah, like like I said, this is this is the classic Tina Turner right here. So I love that that we get to end with Tina and also her band, like her actual band. It's weird to think of Tina with a band like she always had a band though yeah i know she always had a band but it's just i guess i just don't ever associate tina with a band it's not like uh um i mean it's a lot like beyonce you know beyonce once was well no i guess it's not like beyonce because she was part of destiny's child well i mean tina's band was also very like eclectic to me and i don't know if you remember that shirtless saxophone guy from the lost boys your gu- who doesn't fucking know the shirtless saxophone guy from the lost boys did you know that that was her saxophone player no yeah that's that's really yeah his name is timmy capello 
Oh my god! I actually knew. I like. I recently looked him up because he was in a TikTok. Like somebody yeah. was like, "Remember this guy?" Like, oh yeah, I do remember yeah. that for the Lost. He's Boys. in this movie. Is he really? Yeah, he's at the very end. Oh, nice. Uh, I see. I always knew that as a kid because I was like, "What's love got to do with it?" Lost Boys. That's the same guy. Nice. I always knew that. Nice. And what's what's my favorite thing about this entire ending scene is that there's a song that plays at the end called "I Don't Want to Fight No More," and it's by Tina that she wrote. Kind of. I guess this kind of movie was also trying to help that song get along and it definitely did because this is the theme of the song and the saxophone riff in this like there's a solo best saxophone solo i think i've ever heard Mm. i can hear all the shirtless goodness I love that saxophone. That's how I always knew it was him. There really was an era, an era in the 80s where we were just really big into saxophone. saxophone I loved it. I yeah. miss that so much. All right. So, yeah, I think that's we're going to end it, guys. Thank you for joining us on, in this journey. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I actually got to show this to my girlfriend. I was super stoked about it. And just watching her reaction, just seeing the craziness that is Ike Turner was amazing. And, you know... Again, this is mostly in remembrance of Tina Turner, who was a phenomenal artist. She will be dearly missed. Absolutely, um, an incredible icon. As as you know, to use your word, I think your word was uh, as it was absolutely fitting. An icon. Yes. I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to say legend. Yeah. Because she was. what a, what a legendary performer, a legendary singer, and we will forgive her for becoming Swedish. That's okay. That's <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's that was awesome that she became Swedish. That's fantastic. So would her name instead of you know would it be Ike instead of Ike and Tina Turner would it be IKEA and Tina Turner? You feel good about that? <laughs> I'm kind of proud of you right now. That was that wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so AJ, where can we watch this movie? So this is the problem. Um, <laughs> what the heck? It used to be on so many streaming services that like you could watch it for free. It was on HBO for a while. Now you have to buy it, and I don't know if they just capitalized on us, they removed it, but um, right now you do have to purchase the movie or at least buy it to rent. I, You'd almost think with her her recent passing that streaming services would be chomping at the bit to get it on their services because it would bring in more yeah. subscriptions. So it's weird that they, they were like, oh, oh, she's passed, well, let's get it off our streaming service so people have to pay you know, the three ninety nine for yeah. rentals. I think universally it's three ninety nine. I watch it on Vudu, so it's Vudu, uh, Google Play, our Google um, videos, all of those streaming services that you do have to pay for, that's where it's going to be. Now, I'm not going to say that it won't come back on a streaming service because it totally can. Right now, it does look like you have to pay. I'd give it a, I'd probably give it a month or two. Like, when did she pass? It was just before uh, like, I left for Germany. So this month, or um, in the month of May, right? It was like last week. Was it just last week? Yeah, that's right. It was right. last week, yeah. So, so I, you were back from Germany. I was back from Germany by the time. Yeah, that's right. I was back from Germany. So it's been, yeah, like you said, it's been about a week. So we're in, what, uh, June now? So yeah. I would be willing, I'm going to make a prediction that by July, we're going to see it back on streaming services because I think it would be a silly financial move not to try to get that back on your streaming service to... um you know, as a as an opportunity for those who have heard about her recent passing 
and are, are kind of looking for, you know, more more Tina content yeah. to consume. Well, our music is created by Augusto Denise, logo by Arpon Design, mixing and editing by IPTT Studios. And we want to hear from you in your own slice of toast. Tell us about the films that you think we and others should see, actors to showcase, or topics to discuss. You can reach us on Instagram at IPTT underscore podcast, email us directly at IPTTpodcast at gmail.com, or interact with us directly through the Spotify app. And when you're standing on that stage as Angela Bassett, and suddenly you look down to find that you've become Tina Turner, remember. You can always get more of those. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>